Last week we talked. Um, that was the sheet that I didn't have last week because, as I said, I've lost the book. I'm going to check with Kathy to see if anyone turned it in that I was using. So I've really varied a bit from the study, but I'm really I'm still going to cover the topics. And we looked at the physical, how people become, particularly in this day and age, overly concerned about the physical. Yes, we want to be healthy, but how important is it to go to the gym religiously? Um, you know, not eat anything that's got any kind of fat in it and all those sorts of things. And we lose focus or we don't prioritize the other parts of our life, relational, the vocational, and the spiritual. And really, we just can't separate the four into those meat quadrants. And we also spoke about imposing the cross on all of those and let that be the guide to our decision making. Now, this morning, I'd like to look at the other three, the relational, the vocational, and the spiritual, um, and really how they interact with each other. And um, just going to take a, a lesson from the life of David um, and see how we dealt with the relational, the vocational, and the spiritual. And remember, God said that David was what? Was who? What type of man? A man after his own heart. And look at what, how David struggled with some major issues in his life. And really the... Um, Actually, the very first few verses that we take a look at, you'll be amazed how you see both the relational, the vocational, and the spiritual um, playing out and really affecting one another. Let's look at 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 5. If anyone gets it, is quick on the draw and gets it before me, you can read it. Ah, teacher. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch, and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So, actually, I'll go to six. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. In the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle. The reason for that is, in the spring, that's when we've got crops in the field, and as the armies go through, they can go through the fields, whether the farmer liked it or not, and they can provision themselves, and they can go in and fight. And they would be strong. Now, the other thing that you ought to notice is, um, they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But very important here. But David remained at Jerusalem. <clears throat> now, when kings and armies went out to fight and to conquer lands, it was expected 
that the king would go with the army. But David decided he was going to stay in the comfort of his palace. And then you see, we read um, the things that unfolded. David stayed home and did not go to battle. Now, part of David's job as king, and yes, kings do have jobs, was he would have gone with his army. And as we read this, I want to see parallels. I want you to look at parallels in our own lives. You know, look at relationships, vocations, and the spiritual aspect of our lives. Well, David's vocation, he fell down on the job. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to be with his army. Instead, he figured, and remember, these are all the choices we make. Remember, I told about, I spoke about my principal, Mr. Middleton. There are no rewards and punishments, merely consequences. Right, look at the consequences of this seemingly innocent or this, this, this action that seemed to have no relationship with anything else. He stayed home. What happened when he stayed home? What did he do? He got in trouble. Okay, come on, Kenny. How did he get in trouble? What was he doing? He lusted after another man. Right, he was just lounging around, enjoying, I guess, the spoils of kingdom. You know, I can do whatever I feel like doing. And he's lounging around. You know, just like us, if you don't go to work and we're supposed to go to work, we just say we could stay home and watch television and things are just fed into us while we're watching TV or we do something that we aren't supposed to. I don't mind, it's the devil's workshop. Exactly. <laughs> We've got time on our hands now, right? And as a result of that, he sees this gorgeous woman, Bathsheba. And I mean, the Bible makes no mistake about it. This woman really looks good. David sees her, but he's the king. He can do whatever he wants in his kingdom. So he calls for this married woman. Now, as far as David is concerned as king, is he innocent here? I mean, does he know who this woman is? Does he know whether she's married or not? You know, what she's doing, who she is? Not when he saw her, but after he inquired about her, he did. That's right. He actively inquired about her. It wasn't as if, I don't care, I'm just going to do it. He was checking on this lady. Who is she? And what's he told? What does he know about Bathsheba? That she is a married woman. She's married. Does he know, even know who she's married to? Mm -hmm. I mean, is this person of any consequence to him? Is this an enemy, a friend, a trusted employee? Definitely. You know? I mean, in those days, you know, the king's generals, etc., you don't get much closer than that. You know, these are people that they would then make governors of entire territories because they performed well. You know, you know this is, what you call it? The brotherhood of man. This is the man's man. This is, you know, right-hand fellow. Um, so, he inquires about Bathsheba, and with all of this knowledge, he still has sexual relations with this woman, right? Now think about this. Is this just happening because David does, doesn't know any better? Or he's being led along? I mean, why do you think these things are happening to David? Lust. Lust. Anything beyond lust? Look at the very beginning. Remember, we're looking at balance in our lives. And balance can only come because you do what you're supposed to do 
when you're supposed to do it. And quite often, how do we determine what we're supposed to do and when? What's the normal thing? And please don't over-spiritualize it. If you have to make a decision, what am I going to do at any point in time? Do what your duty. His duty was to be with Nebuchadnezzar. Right, but he didn't do it. I mean, why do you think he even made that choice? He didn't know about Bathsheba. Yeah. Right. He was out of the will of God. He was outside of the will of God. Outside of the will of God. And you may say, well, he's a king. He doesn't, he may not necessarily know about the will of God. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> Every king of Israel had absolutely no choice. Because if you go to um, Deuteronomy 17, the kings of Israel actually had to write out the first books of the Bible. I mean, personally, they had to write out the books of the Bible, and they had to be familiar with them. So he had no excuse as far as the things that God expected of him. And it's the same way for us. When we make choices, because everything we do is a choice that we make. As um, Priscilla was indicating early, earlier, we're responsible for what we do in our lives. Now, I can't blame Denise for the choices that I make. Mm -hmm. And Denise is my spouse. You know, she may advise me, she may try to influence me, she may cajole me, but ultimately, I'm responsible for the choices that I make, just as she is. Now, God gives us guidelines as to how we should make the choices. Even in a marital relationship, you know, husbands and wives, how we are supposed to um, relate to each other. Now, and also, he tells us how we should do things at work, how we should just relate to one another on a general basis. When we decide to ignore those things, God's guidelines, our lives start to lose balance, we lose focus. And David is a wonderful example. If you remember, you go back in David's life, when David was going against the grain and he went out and did battle against Saul, I mean, Goliath, right? That took someone of great faith, a close walk with the Lord to be able to do that. But quite often, as we go through life, as we go to have our mountaintop experiences, we tend to forget what God has done for us. We go through our valley experiences, we forget what God can do for us. Everything seems to point to forgetting about God. And be assured, the world will encourage you along that line. Because, you know, when I, um, when I started the study, we were talking about the one-minute managers and one-minute this and the one-minute that. The quick success stories about how to manage your life. <clears throat> it doesn't happen overnight. The same way little things, the little foxes creep in, that's our life. Little things happen and the door just starts opening and opening. Before we realize it, we can't shut the door. We'll see how that happens in David's life. And he continues to just lose balance and focus. Right? The information that was available to David. Um, can anybody get to Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20? Oh, that's amazing. I have here. Yeah, no, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if our leaders do this today, 
When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of his law, taken from that of the priests, who, who are Levites. If it is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God, and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees, and not consider himself better than his brothers, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Okay. That really is a prescription for balance in our lives, for having the right perspective. And included in that law, the Ten Commandments. I don't think we need to read all, well, you know what? (laughs) Why don't we read the Ten Commandments? Exodus 21 to 17. Let's just remind ourselves, because I want to be able to refer to these things as we look at the life of David. Anybody can get Exodus 21 to 17? I'll give you a box of tea if you can remember it without looking. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, honey, because I've been talking about you in all the classes. Okay. I paid candy to say that. Okay. Yes, please. What spoke? And these were his words. And the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, where you were slaves, worship no God but me. Do not make for yourselves images of anything in heaven or on earth or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to any idol or worship it, because I am the Lord your God, and I tolerate no, no rivals. I bring punishment on those who hate me, and on their descendants, down to the third and fourth generation. But I show my love to thousands of generations of those who love me and obey my laws. Do not use my name for evil purposes, for I, the Lord your God, will punish anyone who misuses my name. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. On that day, no one is to work, neither you, your children, your slaves, your animals, nor the foreigners who live in your country. In six days, I, the Lord, made the earth, the sky, the seas, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, I rested. That is why I, the Lord, blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Respect your father and your mother. So that, you, so that you may live a long time in the land that I am giving you. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not accuse anyone falsely. Do not desire another man's house. Do not desire his wife, his slaves, his cattle, his donkeys, or anything else that he owns. Okay. A lot of us like to draw a line in, a, in our spiritual lives and say we aren't under law but we're under grace and all that sort of stuff. But Jesus himself said that he didn't come to erase the law. Now we may not be judged by the law, but the law is still relevant 
to us today. And those things that God expected um, the Israelites to observe, He expects us to still observe today. And you know, there are a few things that, that David did that went against those those commandments. Uh, it's always good to refresh our minds because I don't know how often we actually go back and read the Ten Commandments because the media where um, and we do use the media a lot to in our decision making whether we realize it or not um, we'll tend to rationalize the Ten Commandments um, rather than actually you know repeating the words of the Ten Commandments you know, basically, what they're telling is what it really means is, and it's some watered down rubbish. But we need to keep these things in mind. You know, let's look at the effects of David's choices. Now, do you think that not going to work on a particular day? would have far-reaching consequences beyond, let's say, me, who is the, um, the disobedient employee and my employer. Would you normally expect that it will have any consequence outside of that relationship? If you are in the Lord's will, most certainly. Okay. But I don't think we really realize how far-reaching our actions are. You know, when we make a choice, realize that the choice that we make doesn't only affect us. It can be so far-reaching, you wouldn't even imagine how far it goes. Now, the choices that I make today could affect my children, a generation, could affect my grandchildren. Actually, not could, more than likely will. For example, As a Christian, I have certain responsibilities that God has very clearly said. And if I ignore those responsibilities, particularly in my relationships with other believers, I can assure you, because the world is getting smaller and smaller, the thing, the way that I relate with Sister Helen will cause her to relate to someone else in a certain way. And I will go around about I will reach my son in Canada. And I can assure you of that. And that may affect the person that he marries. And that marriage relationship will affect who my grandchildren are. So it never stops with me. There's nothing that I do that has no far-reaching consequence. <laughs> Think about that. Whenever you're making choices about what you do and when you do it. Particularly if you know what you're doing is outside the will of God. What David did affected the nation of Israel. Actually, it affects it to this day. And that isn't because David was king. David was someone who knew the will of the Lord and he disobeyed it. Uh, if I may, I'll go so far as to say it affects us today. It affects us. Actually, us. most of the unbelievers mm. remember what David mm. did. Yes. 
and they use it oh, yes. against us. Yeah, like a stick. Yes. And please, don't think David was a king, and I'm not a king or a queen, and it doesn't affect me. Every single one of us, particularly as God's children, the enemy will use it against us, and the generations to come. So please be deliberate in the choices that you make, and choose to be obedient in everything. Like my father used to say, you're poor, you need to have a plan. You may fail in the things that you plan to do. Without a plan, you've planned to fail. So we need to be deliberate in saying to ourselves, we will obey the will of the Lord. And for us to do that, one, we need to know the will of the Lord. We need to walk closely with the Lord. And as we fail, we can go back to the Lord, ask for forgiveness, and He's promised us but if you truly repent, He will forgive us, and He will restore us. But outside of that relationship, we are making a huge mistake, and I can assure you, we will never have balance in our lives. David, okay, decides to stay home from work, he plays hooky, okay? He um, gets involved in, in some porno, and he decides he's going to pursue it. He finds this lady who is willing to... Um, comply with his request as a um, actually it's actually an extramarital relationship because Dan I mean David already had wives. Okay? And she becomes pregnant. So vocational doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Plays hooky. Relationship. Um, he's unfaithful to his wives. Right? Spiritual, he disobeys God's law. I mean, all at the same time. And every time we make a relationship, we tend to hit on those three areas. Our work, our relationships, and our relationship with God. Our choices always have um, um, an input on, the, on all areas of our lives. And we have consequence. So if you decide this morning, you know, you know, I'm not going to come to Sunday school because I just want to lie in, that will have a consequence. And it won't be just that, you know, Paul and Pastor Annette and Helen are going to miss me. Think of the example it may be setting, um, what, you may be, what you may be missing out as far as teaching is concerned so that you can actually apply it to your life your interaction with other Christians, being able to encourage and support them, and then you. And not seeing that person that God may have intended for you to see will affect what happens a few years from now because that person never had an interaction with you, doesn't know you. And when you need them, they have no idea, who is this for? Word? I don't trust them. But they could have trusted me if they come to class. Sorry, if I come to class and they met me. Yeah. In all of this, we were I've been focusing on David and David's um, actions. Let's look at one uh, set of actions of David, and then we'll look at what God did. Second Samuel eleven, 
6 to 13. David then sent a message to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. The Hittite. So Joab, so Joab sent him to David. Uriah arrived. David asked him if Joab and the troops were well, and how the fighting was going. And he said to Uriah, "Go, go on home and rest a while." Uriah left, and David said, "David had a presence." Sent to his home. But Uriah did not go home. Instead, he slept at the palace gate with the king's guards. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he asked him, You have just returned after a long absence. Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered, The men of Israel and Judah are away in battle. And the covenant box is with them. My commander Joab and his officers are camping, camping out in the open. How could I go home, eat and drink and sleep with my wife? By all that's sacred, I swear that I could never do such a thing. But David said, then stay here the rest of the day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. David invite, in, invited him to supper and got him drunk. But again, that night, Uriah did not go home. Instead, he slept on his blanket in the palace guard room. Okay. You see how David was reaching out to Uriah? Being a good friend to Uriah? Helping Uriah? Scaring the cover of his Ah, no. David wouldn't do something like that. Come on. Does that happen nowadays? Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, we are called to be wise. Now, now David has been caught up in this web of sin, of web of deceit, of illicit um, liaisons. Do you see God doing anything all through this? David was making choices. Bathsheba made choices. Uriah was, everybody's making choices. What can you say about Uriah's choices? Uh, one thing I noticed with David's many with the story, I think Uriah, Uriah was one of the famous 30 uh, men of David. He was one of the famous 30. That was oh, like, okay, yeah, okay. That, that was like a uh, high achievement. Uh, yeah, the famous three, then the famous 30. Okay. Well, what about the choices he was making in the text that we were looking at? What can you say about the choices? We've looked at David's choices, we've looked at Bashir's choices. What about Uriah's choices? Who was the only one making the right ones? He was oh, following the law. Not only was he making the right choices, what were they doing? How were they affecting David's choices? I mean, were they supporting his choices, or I'm were they frustrating his choices? I'm sure he was frustrated, but I, I, again, 
I, I feel that God was with Uriah. Exactly. That, I mean, because I don't know about me. No, to me it's but, quite obvious. But if, if, if I was away from my wife for three months and I get that close and the king tell me go home to my wife, I don't know what else he got to say to me. But he wouldn't say anything to me. He, he, I'd say something to him. <laughs> 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 the fact was he was he was listening to the Lord. I believe the Lord was making him an example for David, yes. but he yes. did not appreciate yes. it. Yes, I think that he was um, giving giving David an example yes. that David could follow and say, you know, I'm wrong, I, yes. and be contrite before God and confess it, and then he wouldn't have to go any further. Right. But because he rejected the example put forth by Uriah, and, and I'm sure he must have felt some conviction when Uriah said, you know, the ark of God, of God is out there, yeah. and our army is out there, how could I enjoy luxuries mm -hmm. at home when they're facing hardship? I belong out there. You know, and, and that's a real example to to King David. Yeah. But he didn't, you know. But evil was already in him. Yeah. He just rejected that. But it's not only an example of King David. It's an example to us. Yes. yes. Look at David. His vocational life is out of balance. He isn't doing what he's supposed to do. His relationships are out of balance. He's cheating on his wives. He's got many of them already. Let's still try to figure out. How can you handle so many wives? I have difficulty just satisfying one. Um, and his relationship with God is totally short. Right. Uriah, on the other hand, has choices to make also. You know, he has his vocational choices, and he stays true to those. He has relational choices. Be assured, soldiers, prostitutes, they kind of go together. Mm -hmm. He had his choices. Mm -hmm. Right? He decided not to. Right? As far as, he doesn't talk a lot about his relationship with the Lord, but there's nothing mentioned about Uriah where he's unfaithful to God. Yeah. He seems to have found balance. Now, you may talk about his relationship with Bathsheba, because, you know, Bathsheba, it seems, willingly went with the king, but right in that environment, she didn't have a choice, really. I mean that she did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she could have. She could have. She could. And her thinking that I can go with, the, with King David, or I can die. Mm -hmm. Well, I just got to thinking about that. She yes. some women in this day and age. You know, she didn't need to bathe on the roof of her house. She knew the roof of her house could be seen from the palace. Okay. You know? I don't think she was uh, stupid or naive. So. I think a lot of times we leave out part of her responsibility in this in the way that the devil used her to defeat David. You know, she was, uh, I'm not going to go on the top of my roof where everybody can see me and pay it. But yeah, that, was the, that was the norm, though. Yeah. I mean, because where else would she do it? She couldn't do it. I mean, she couldn't go to the common bath. She can go in her house. Or she could be, she could be in her, but I don't know if they had an indoor coming you know. like that. They didn't have indoor coming. I don't actually have to research it. Bathing from a bowl of water. You can do it in your house. You could, yeah. but what is the norm in that environment? And anyway, the king isn't even supposed to be there. To yeah. Be honest. 
Because all yeah. really the men, the the, the able-bodied men, are either in the field or yeah. fighting. The king should have been out there fighting. Really, the only people left in the king's palace would have been the eunuchs who couldn't do anything anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also, she was during she was during a period of uncleanness. You know, so I mean, that's like a double, triple, quadruple whammy. I mean, she should have had nothing to fear. Because really, in that environment, which man is going to touch me in this condition? <clears throat> right? But I digress. Um, well, yes. That comes to where we are currently with the case that was Fraser, and some people supported mm. him. And like I said to someone, even if the <clears throat> girl had said, yes, pastor, I like you, in that um, setting, he is the priest, priest. Uh, he's the protector and the father figure, he can say, no baby, you go to Priscilla Cartwright who can right. counsel you. I mean, and, yes. I agree with no, you totally. Even yeah. if the girl took off all her clothes. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I don't see yeah. it, I don't see it. But some people protect He's responsible, him, you know? mm -hmm. yeah. and they still are. Yeah, yeah, I don't see um, it. No. No. But really what I wanted to show you is we are making the right and godly choices. How he brings balance to his life. David making the wrong choices and they go throughout his life. Even though God forgives him, he still suffers as a result because of the choices that he makes. You know, And the longer he made the bad choices, the worse he suffered. As he stopped making the bad choices, his life improved. <coughs> And that's still true of us. It, it also has to do with his relationship with the Lord because mm -hmm. he was not nurturing his relationship with the Lord and not growing his relationship with the Lord. Then he fell out of whack with what God wanted him to do. Yeah. You know, if he had been right with the Lord, he wouldn't have been like a battle. Mm -hmm. You know, he wouldn't have been lounging around and yes. allowing an opportunity for sin. That's right. So, and what it, you know, when I, as I read it more and more, I actually have to say, New things came to, to light to me. Uriah made choices based on his comfort. His his own I'm not sorry, not Uriah, David. David made his choices uh, to suit himself for his comfort. Um, rather than to be obedient to God. So really his plumb line was what makes me feel good, what makes me comfortable at this point in time, that's what I'll do. And we make Unfortunately, we make, and I say we, it's we with a capital we, including me. We make choices because they make us comfortable. Or we're able to rationalize them so that even if we know they're wrong, we make them seem good. Or not only good, but right with God. But what God requires is total, full, uncompromising obedience. When we make our choices, we make our choices based on what God has said, what God desires, and He won't steer us wrong. We will have balance in our lives that way. Now, we will know when to go to work. We will know when to stay at home. We will know when to go to the gym, how much time to allot, because we are obedient to God and He will train our minds. Yeah. I don't think that Uriah was any more spiritual than David was, but he was willing to be obedient despite what his comfort said he wanted to do. Whereas David was the opposite. 
and that's the danger that we run even today. Yeah. What is David's scheme and what and why? In this last in, in this encounter with Uriah, what was David trying to do? Let's just try to be clear. Covering up what? His affair with Bathsheba. That's right, because Bathsheba was pregnant, right? And so what was he doing? What, what did he want Uriah to do? That's right. And not only he, I believe the community. Because if she was pregnant and he was away, that's right. Then she was to be stoned. That's right. right. But if he came home, then the possibility it was his. That's right. So they cover DNA testing. No. What was his relationship with God like at this time? This is David's relationship during this conference, during this time with Uriah. I mean, is it improving? No, okay. no, it's getting, it's, it's, it's drifting further apart. But this is a man that is very aware, actually more than most at the time, he's aware of what God requires of man. Uh, I say it's drifting further apart because yep. David is sinking, the base is getting deeper and deeper. That's right. But at the same time, David doing all of this, what does God do? What do we see God doing? Despite what David's doing. God is God just... giving him time to repent. Like yes, he, he said earlier, when uh, Rai said what he said, this is time David could step up and say, okay, mess up, move, and it wouldn't have been that horrible. Yep. He's, const he's constantly giving David opportunity yeah. to repent. Yeah. But not only repent because I need to repent, but why? <laughs> You know, Uriah the Hittite in that discourse, I mean, goes over and over. I cannot do this because. I won't do this because. And if I do this, let this happen to me. You know, as we read on, we'll see how God works through Nathan. Right? And the same thing happens with us. You know, we need to wake up and see what God requires of us. As we sin, God isn't dismissing us. He's working in our life, trying to bring us back to Him. He gives us the opportunities. He gives us the knowledge. But at the end of the day, the choice is ours. We have all the tools. All the tools. He gives them to us. He puts them in our hand. And if we decide we're just going to hold them and do nothing, the choice is ours. Mm -hmm. We want our balance in our lives. If we're saying my life is a mess, I can't do this, everything's going wrong, maybe all we need is just a different perspective. Or maybe we actually need to change what we're doing and why we're doing it. Listen to the Lord our God. David did, but it took him a long time that that don't be true of us. And I will close with that challenge. Look at your lives this week. Look at David. Look at Uriah. Where do you stand? All of us can improve. There's not one of us can say your life is fully in balance. If you can, I'd like you to mentor me also. 
Okay, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for the examples that, that lie there in me. We thank you for this lesson as you've learned about David and Uriah and Bathsheba and how you've worked in, in their lives. We pray that as we open our lives to you, that we will also be willing to allow you to show us your way, that we would be obedient to your will. And in all things, we give you all honor and glory and praise. Father, your, your love for us knows no bounds. We trust in you, and we just, we just thank you once again that you've allowed us to be called by your name to be your servants. Pray for safety. Pray now that as we leave this place, whether we go into the sanctuary or anywhere else, grant, only grant us safety, but grant us a godly perspective that our lives will be pleasing in your sight. Truly, you are wonderful, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.